Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Good morning. It is a football Friday, but it's going to be a lot more than football. I got to tell you, the world is insane right now, and I'm here for all of it because the truth of the matter is, don't we all live in our own little worlds where maybe what we read on Twitter, maybe what we see in social media just is not the actual case of what really is happening in our lives? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into some of that. But let's talk about this. Emi Udoka has been suspended for a year by the Boston Celtics. And I got to tell you, I, I don't get the world that we live in. You're a grown-ass woman. You're a grown-blank man. You two decide you're going to have the sex. I don't care. Well, it's a subordinate. How does anybody know it's a subordinate? How does anybody know? And as the lovely Lee Ross Dockage said, uh, what's the woman's role in this? Does she get to go on? Does she just get to go Jeannie Buss style and just go about her business? What's her statement? Where's her statement? My wife said that, and I agree. I want to hear from both parties. I mean, people are saying, so many folks, particularly women, are saying this is so unfair of the Boston Celtics because now every woman in the organization is under scrutiny. Well, I got to tell you, doesn't have to be. Every woman doesn't have to be under scrutiny. All the woman that is involved with Udoka has to do is come out and say it was me. That's it. That answers all questions. Why is that so crazy to think about? Why is that so nuts? Why is that so, oh my God, you can't do that. Why not? Explain it to me. They both violated the policy of having sex. I mean, my thought is, and again, I don't know. I've never had an office romance. Um, I wanted to. Hell yeah, back in the day, you know, you walk around, you're like, whoa. I mean, I'm a guy. I'm sorry. But nature calls sometimes. You're like, wow, she's hot. Wow, look at that. Whoa. I mean, anybody that's anybody, I mean, don't tell me you haven't. I know we're all supposed to lead these lives, but everybody has. Are you crazy? Everybody has had the thought. Okay, so why are some people exempt? Why is a woman as presented? Now, I don't know what happened in the background. I have no idea. And if he did something where he threatened or he uh, whatever, then he should be fired. He shouldn't be suspended. But as presented, this is consensual sex by two adults. Now, I got idiots saying, well, well, he cheated on his wife. He's not married. I don't know whether she's married. And if women are so concerned about every woman on the umbrella of the Boston Celtics being viewed with an under eye, was it you, was it you, that all the woman's got to do is come out and say it was me. That's it. Why, why is this so difficult? Why is this so hard? You know, and this is from my wife, who is a strong, strong woman. She's like, wait a second here. She gets frustrated because she's always, uh, well, she says, why are women always painted as victims here? You know, I could have had Lee on, but she's got to work today. 
But she's always saying this. Why is it always a woman that's, that's a victim? Aren't we strong enough to say, hey, wait a second, man, get out of here. You know how many guys have hit on my wife over the course of time? Are you serious? I mean, I, I'm not, I don't know how this comes off, but we talk about it all the time. You know, she'll tell you, yeah, that guy was creepy. Hell, one of her doctors did one time. I mean, stop it. Stop it. I mean, if we're going to have a society of equality, then let's be equal. Udoka is suspended. He's gone. If you're worried about the, well, how it reflects on the women of Boston, then the woman who's, who was, A, bold enough to have an affair, if you want to call it that, a relationship. I don't know if it was an affair. I don't know if she was, uh, you know, married. He apparently had a fiancé. And I'm sure people will just retort with, well, you're blaming the victim. Who's the victim? They had consensual sex. So tell me who the victim is. Uh, As presented. Now, maybe it comes out different. Maybe something comes out and it's all different. Fine. But this is the way it is presented. They violated the team. They violated the team's code of conduct. They. Not just he. They. Which is stupid anyway, because everybody knows in this day and age, you just go to the HR department and say, hey, I'm stupid Sally, and Sally goes to the HR department and says, hey, I'm stupid Emi. That's it. Honest to God, we act like every relationship is somehow some terrorist plot. Somehow some devious thought by men to get over. It's two adults, at least as presented. Consensual, at least as presented. So I'm tired of hearing about, well, the women of the Boston Celtics are under this umbrella. This guy's been outed. This guy's lost a year's worth of salary. This guy's been embarrassed. This guy can't do his job. So the other person involved who worked for the same company as presented can at least expose herself, or not expose, you know what I mean, say who she is to get the other women off the hook? What's going on here? Don't give me that victim crap because he's a victim too. And I got to ask a very simple, easy question that everybody's been asking. Last I looked, Jeannie Buss was the owner of the Lakers. Very public, she was stupid, the coach of the Lakers. Now, I don't know about you, but in the hierarchy of a team, I know Phil Jackson was uber important to the Lakers, but in the hierarchy of the team, didn't, doesn't it always start with the owner? Isn't that numero uno? Isn't that the first person on the little flow chart? Coach, important. Salary-wise, coach makes a ton. Kobe Bryant, uh, Shaq, you know, all the guys are hugely important. Don't get me wrong. Everybody in the organization is of importance, but doesn't it start with the owner and isn't the coach somewhere around here? Maybe he's here, but he ain't above the owner. What happened to Jeannie Buss? Jeannie Buss gets suspended for a year? I didn't see anything. You know what I saw? Oh, a love story. Why is that a love story? And why isn't this a love story? Can somebody explain that to me? Why isn't this a love story? It might be. Do you know how many people, do you know how many people fell in love, got married, had great lives because they met at work, 
Hell, I met Lee at work. I mean, I she was married. I was married. We didn't act on it. She moved out. She moved to Syracuse. But if I don't work at Bowling Green and she don't work at Bowling Green, actually, I liked her husband. Husband and I were friends, still are. I mean, do you know how many people, you know how many people, again, as presented, met because of work? Just stop it with this sanctimonious, self-righteous BS. Man, free Amy. I'm going to look. I looked this morning. I don't know about you guys, but on my iPad, uh, I didn't see anything about Jeannie Buss being suspended for a year. It's amazing to me. It's amazing, and it's somewhat disgusting, and I'm so freaking tired of it. And my wife, thank God for my wife. I mean, thank God. She's like, what, 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 what? Why are women going backwards? Why are we going backwards with women? Women are strong. Women are tough. Women can make their own decisions. Well, the coach coerced her. Show me evidence of that. If that happened, how? What does coercing mean? What does it mean? I would like to know in this case, this guy lost a year, a year, embarrassed forever now. Google I-M-E space U-D-O-K-A. This is going to come up because as a man and as a woman, they, according to what they've told us, decided to have sex, something natural, something men and women do. I'm sorry. I know we're not supposed to, you know, I know we're supposed to go into all the little whatevers. Men and women have sex. They do. You wouldn't be here if a man and a woman didn't have the sex. Jeez. It drives me nuts. All right. Tell you what else drives me nuts. This whole victimhood. Uh, look, I've had mental health issues. I have. I've had depression. I've talked about it. I've talked about it a lot. I've had real depression. Yeah. One dude says, I met my wife working at Papa John's. I'm telling you, you guys make me nuts. This, whole, this is crap. Anyway, so let me go this route with you. I had mental health issues. Um when I was at Bowling Green. I didn't need Bowling Green to straighten out my mental health issues. I'm so freaking tired, so tired of people blaming others for their own issues. So here's Ben Simmons, poor Ben Simmons. And look, I don't care how this comes out to you. Ben Simmons was in a bad place and got no help from the Sixers. Really? I, uh, I was in such a bad place where I was like, F, I'm trying to get here, and you guys are like throwing all these other things at me to where you're not helping, and that's all I wanted was help. I didn't feel like I got it from coaches, teammates. I won't say all teammates, great guys in that team that did reach out, and they're still my friends, but I didn't feel like I got it. It was just a tough place for me. All right. And now it's everybody else's fault. Let me tell you something. I don't know a single coach, not one, in my lifetime. Not one. And I know a lot of coaches, whether it's Urban Meyer, you name it, I probably know them. I don't know Nick Saban. But I don't know one single coach that turns his back on a player when he's having mental health issues. I know a ton of players that are full of crap. I know a ton of players that have been so full of crap over the years that players and their teammates didn't believe anything that they said. Now, I'm not blaming the victim here. I'm taking Ben Simmons out of this. 
I'm telling you, I've seen it my whole life, and so have real people. I get it, Twitter guy isn't. I get it, Twitter guy's going to say, well, you're blaming the victim. Yeah, stay in your mommy's basement, eat your corn dogs, and sit down. Sit down. Anyway, long story short, it's when you are so full of crap that your teammates don't believe you, these are the things that happen. When you're so full of crap on a daily basis that every day it's something, these are the things that happen. I don't know one single coach. Now, and I know Doc Rivers a little bit, not well. Guys just don't say, hey, I know you're dealing with something. I know it's serious. Uh, Get in there and practice. You just get tired. You know, the victimhood, everybody's a victim. I had mental health issues. I couldn't get my head off the pillow, but I don't play a victim about it. I don't. I didn't go to a doctor. Actually, I stopped coaching. So I hear people say all the time, doctor, this is why you don't coach anymore. Really? Why? Well, because your take on Twitter was so dumb. No, it's not. It's because I know losing kills me. I get it. Everybody thinks Michael Jordan is such an uber competitive guy. He ain't close to a guy like me who couldn't run, couldn't jump, but somehow, some way made it to the best basketball program in the country. And not only that, was a two-time captain. That's being competitive. Crazy competitive. Stupid competitive. My father always told me, it'll kill you to ever lose. And almost did in college and then after when I was a coach, when I knew we couldn't win because of so many injuries. So I don't want to hear it. I don't, well, it's my teammate's fault. Doc Rivers was mean. So now all of a sudden you're fine? All right, good for you. I hope you are. I hope you got the help you needed. I mean, all these guys, all these guys like Ben Simmons and others have so many people around them. Not one of the little minions around you. I did a Ben Simmons, two of them, actually, LSU game. Even then, he had guys with him. Not basketball playing guys, guys. Hell, the guy who coached him in Australia was on the staff. But now Ben Simmons is a victim. Everybody's a victim. Victimhood freaking sells. You want to make some money? You want to get the court of public opinion? Why? Because if you even question it, no matter your circumstance, it doesn't matter. You're victim blaming. I'm not victim blaming. I'm just explaining to you why I think this is crap from the side of the coach, the organization, and Ben Simmons. When you're so full of crap every day at your job, it's the boy that cried wolf. And that's exactly what happened here. And if you're mad at me, God bless you. Here's another moronic thing. Everybody's making a big deal. Well, Sean Payton would be interested in a good situation. What is Sean Payton? John Wood? Was he Bill Belichick? He had a good situation. What? The good situation didn't go so good when you didn't have a quarterback? When all of a sudden Drew Brees stopped? Uh, that's the best. What do you want? What, what, what would you like? Would you like Trevor Lawrence? Would you like Matt Ryan? Would you like the Colts? What would you like? Uh, Baker Mayfield. What's, you know what a good situation is? One that you can win at. And in the NFL, Sean Payton was smart enough to know Drew Brees is gone. Let me take a few years off while I still am considered a really good coach. That's all this is. Well, of course it'd be a good situation. Are you kidding me? Duh. Good situation. (laughs) Really? I'm shocked at that. Jameis Winston didn't make it for a good situation for this guy down there. 
hey, come to the Colts. Got a great situation. People are making a big deal about this. I say, of course. What do you think? I like Sean Payton. Sean Payton, when I would do my radio show from the Combine, he and John Harbaugh would just come sit out and talk. Marvin Lewis, too. I like those guys. like them a lot. Of course. What are you, nuts? We'll get into jobs later on and what the best jobs are later on in the show. But people are making a big deal. Oh, my God, did you hear Sean Payton said that he would like to, well, maybe coach in the right situation? Where else are you going to make that kind of money teaching big old guys to take a ball and move it across a line? Well, coaching is hard. you got to get in at 5 in the morning. Really? No, well, you got to make them think you get in at 5 in the morning. And then you can sleep till noon. Now, that's not what Sean Payton does, of course. Sean Payton and most coaches are really hardworking guys. But it ain't digging ditches. It ain't walking into an alley where you're trying to catch two bank robbers who are armed. It ain't working in a steel mill like my Uncle Jerry did every day. It ain't going to Calumet High School like my father did every day at 5.30 in the morning or, or Longfellow Elementary, both in Gary, Indiana, like my mother did for 51 years. It ain't a job. It's a passion. It is. Good situation. Please. That dude's whole life has been a good situation. Think about it. Eastern Illinois becomes a scab somehow after being a scab. Everybody likes him. He becomes a head coach. He onside kicks. Hank Basket can't catch the ball. They win a Super Bowl. Next thing you know, he's a Gazda. Next thing you know, he's a genius. Why? Because Drew Brees came over. Drew Brees is gone. He's gone. He's smart. That's called managing your career. Very, very, very smart. Very smart. Speaking of smart, there's a big difference between smart and dumb. Smart, what you're going to see. Dumb, what's on my TV. Oh, by the way, it's Ryan Clark. Speaking of dumb. Jerry Jones yesterday said something really smart. Jerry Jones is always selling. Jerry Jones talked about, hey, look, I hope Cooper Rush plays well enough. Well, we got a quote from Jerry Jones here that we're going to put up for you. So do I think it's possible for Rush to come in here and play at a level and win games the way Prescott did when he took over for Romo? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I certainly think that's possible. See, history does have a chance to repeat itself. And what Jerry Jones is talking about there is Tony Romo came and got hurt. Tony Romo was the next big thing. But it never really went that way. Tony Romo would crap the bed in big moments. At least that's what we were told. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't pay attention to all the ins and outs of Tony Romo's career. A lot of people did. I did not. Next thing you know, Romo hurt. Prescott in. Now, Prescott wasn't a first-round draft choice. Prescott wasn't like on everybody's board as being a stud. Danny Mullen had him at Mississippi State. Prescott got Mississippi State to the number one position in college football. Think about that just for a second. Think about how good a coach Dan Mullen must have been. Mike Leach right now can't beat a first-year Brian Kelly at LSU. But Dan Mullen took Dak Prescott, or Dak Prescott took Dan Mullen, more likely, and made them the number one team in the country. Prescott, third-round pick, gets his chance. Wally pips him. Those of you that don't know who Wally Pip is, look it up. Lou Gehrig, Wally Pip, all-time record, Major League Baseball games played. Lou Gehrig, Wally Pip never really played again. I digress. So all Jerry Jones is saying, I think he could. I think it's possible. I love it for two reasons. Number one, I love it that our idiots in the media can't understand it. Oh, my God, just look at the salary. 
All right, maybe that's true. But I love it from the fact that he's talking about something that has already happened, which puts it in the minds of everybody in that organization that this could happen, that he believes in Cooper Rush. Doesn't say he doesn't believe in Dak Prescott, but you know what it also does for Dak Prescott? At least a little bit, not a lot, a little bit, going to make him hurry up and get back quicker. You don't want to get Wally pipped. Ask any athlete about Wally Pipp. They'll know. And if they don't know, then they're not good enough anyway. Every athlete should know about Wally Pipp, except NBA athletes. We had a guy here named Tinsley, some clown named Tinsley. Shot up downtown. Point guard, fat point guard. He shot up downtown, literally, in a shootout. Eh, NBA contracts are such that he kept his $14 million for the next year, sitting on his ever-increasing wide backside. They couldn't cut him, even though he was involved in a gunfight that got the Pacers equipment manager, who was hired to look over Tinsley, shot in his car. But I digress. In the NFL, you got to earn your keep. And I'm telling you right now, that is beautiful. Not kind of beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful by Jerry Jones to say what he said. Hey, uh, Prescott, not Dak. Not Dak. My college coach, whenever he called me Danny, I knew I was in good shape, Bob Knight. Whenever he called me Dakish, then I knew I had a serious problem, like I'd been missing class or whatever. So he went Prescott. Yeah, he did. Prescott. That means Dak, baby. Better get back here. Better get going. Now, Cooper Rush against the Giants this week will probably throw three interceptions, fall down running it in from the three, and be sh- and show all of us why he's a backup, or maybe not. Maybe not. Don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. I'm scrolling through uh, Twitter. I'm scrolling through it. You know what I don't see? I don't see anything, anything, where Jeannie Buss has been fired or suspended for a year. Huh. All right. I don't know. Seems to me if you're stooping a subordinate, the coach would be the subordinate. Uh, us in Indianapolis, we get sold a bill of goods by the idiot and the idiots in the print media here. We do. We get sold a bill of goods every year about the Colts. People are starting to wake up. And every year we get sold a bill of goods about Jacoby Brissett and others that were quarterbacks here. At one point, they're great, and they play for the noted quarterback whisperer, Frank Reich, who, oh, by the way, Indianapolis has become a place where quarterbacks go to die. Jacoby Brissett went to die. He's now reemerging. Phillip Rivers said, screw this. I'm not playing for these guys another year. I'm going to go coach little kids football. Carson Wentz came in. And apparently, because he was unvaxxed, the owner, the media, and everybody was all mad at Carson Wentz, 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, so he had to go. By the way, Carson Wentz is playing great. Last night, you saw something out of Jacoby Brissett that we should have seen here in Indianapolis, but apparently in Indianapolis, it doesn't matter. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was real leadership. Jacoby Brissett took his team by the you-know-whats and squeezed them. Squeezed every ounce, every ounce of it. Did you see him, uh, what is he, like 32 of 33, uh, one yard sneaking, and he starts going nuts, fired up. 29 to 17 is what the Browns did to the Steelers. I told you earlier 
the Steelers weren't going to be any good. They won their week one game, and you know what I got. I got from little Twitter guy, see, Doc, it's hell. It was a preseason game the Steelers were playing, and I had maniacs telling me, see, Doc, it's, Doc, it's you're an idiot. You're stupid. You still think the Steelers are going to suck? I do. I do. I do. And did you see my man Devontae Johnson yesterday? See, one of the idiots on television said yesterday, if the Steelers don't start throwing the ball down the field, the quarterback and the coach are going to, quote, lose the wide receiver room. So not only do we got to listen to morons talk about a coach losing his team, a coach losing his locker room. Now we got to hear from the morons about a coach losing, or excuse me, a quarterback losing the wide receiver room. Really? Okay. So I'm watching yesterday, left sideline, shh, Deontay Johnson, who's mediocre to good, caught 100 balls last uh, 2021. Right here is the pass. You got one job, maybe two as a wide receiver. The main job is what? Catch the freaking ball. The second job, all right, you got to block a little bit. You know, if you want to tell me, well, you know, they got to run routes. Yeah, okay, great. How do you catch the ball? You run a route. What do you want me to tell you? So he runs a route, fly pattern, ball right here, drops it. Now, is it ever possible that the wide receiver room could lose the quarterback? Instead of the quarterback losing the wide receiver room, I certainly think it should be. Hey, look, if I throw the pelota enough to you and you can't catch it, screw you. I'm not going to you. I heard that yesterday, and I just wanted to puke. But anyway, Jacoby Brissett was terrific. Down 14-3, to they started running the ball. Chubb goes 113 yards on 23 carries. They complement it nicely. They actually, Frank Wright, Frank Wright. Hey, Frank, Kevin Stefanski does this, Frank. Frank's the coach of the Colts. Frank, come here. He puts his two weapons occasionally, Chubb and Hunt, he put them in the backfield at the same time. Once when they needed a big first down. Now, really, Frank, you've got Hines, who you don't use, and Jonathan Taylor, who you used nine times last, last game. Put him in the backfield. You're welcome. Uh, guys have these analytics guys. They always point up top. Well, you know, the analytics were really good. Okay. I, I get analytic this. Here's what you need. Uh, put any good players on the field. Put them in the backfield. Kareem Hunt and Chubb, fantastic. I know I said Chubb, you little pervs out there. I know. Big weekend here. Big. Uh, I got a job offer from Urban Meyer. I did. I got a job offer yesterday from Urban, a college coaching job offer. I'll tell you about that. I went to my doctor. You know what he said about all this? I'll give you two words for it. Perfect. Yeah, that's two words. We're going to talk about which jobs are the best. Does an NFL job come open? I'm not so sure. And uh, Bob Kessling the longtime voice of the Vols, the Tennessee Vols, is going to join us. My favorite college football game, non-Indiana division, is Florida-Tennessee. You know why? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because when I was coaching at Indiana back in the 90s, I would watch that game, 
and it was the first game that had all this, I thought, bright pageantry. And the players, when I watched them, were so much better than the Indiana against Minnesota players. I would leave, go home, and I'm like, all right, no one's home. Woohoo! It was on. Love that game. Also, I got some bets for us. That's pretty good last week. Jeffrey Clark is going to join us from at Outkick Bets. I can't wait. We got a lot going on here. We come back. I'm going to tell you the job offer I got from Urban Meyer coaching football. I did. I got proof. It's on my phone. It is. Be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Keep it right here. I got to show you a video. I swear to God, you will not believe this video. It, it involves a horse, a Walmart. It's not like a Mexican, you know, two girls in a cup thing. It's not that. It's, it's you know, down in Mexico. It's not a donkey show or anything like that. But you know what I mean. Now, you know, the donkey show in Mexico, by the way, I've never been, but it is a punchline forever and ever and ever. And the two girls in a cup, look it up on, and don't watch. I'm just trying to help you. Uh, so I sent Urban a thing. I go, hey, look, I always wanted to coach at Arizona State. I did. Like when I would go recruiting, there was always an event in Arizona. And I recruited a couple kids out of the great state of Arizona. Lost one to Northwestern, lost one to Arizona State. But whenever I was there, I always made it a I always made it uh, I always made it a thing to go to Arizona State's campus. I loved it. I loved it. Loved the baseball field. Back in my day, Arizona State was the place. Arizona State had Reggie Jackson, Rick Monday, Bobby Harry Bonds, all these guys. So you walk out on that field, and it's really the only baseball field, in my view, that is like, wow, look at this, right? But I always wanted to coach. So there was an article on OutKick about Urban Meyer going to Arizona State. So I sent him a text. I said, look, I've always wanted to be. Do they still have get-back coaches? Get back! Hey! Get back! We're not going to take a penalty for you! What do you... Get back! What the hell you... Always wanted me to get back, coach. And back in the day, the get back coach, you guys remember this, coach had that headset on and he always had a wire. You know, there was always a wire. So the coach, the, the get back guy had the wire, right? And he's like, get off my wire. Hey, the coach needs to walk. Move. Hey, I, I see you. Thank you. You know what I mean? I would be unbelievable at it. I would. Either that or I would like to be the ops guy of a softball or baseball team. But I got to live in a hotel. Yeah, I can't come to the office. Send them to me. Players of pain in the backside, send them to me. I go see Coach Dockage. It's always my strength, the discipline side of it. We don't, we're not allowed to do that now. By the way, have you looked at your stocks in the last few days? My uh. So Urban sent me a text, done. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we're going to Arizona State. I'm just saying it's always good to have options. Didn't say no. 
Didn't say no to me. Didn't say no to Arizona State. I'm just throwing that out there. I am. I'm. The get back. <laughs> Megan, get back. Get. Hey, Ryan and Dylan, will you get back? You're going to give us a 15-yard penalty, and I don't need co- – this is my job. And then you buy beers for everyone after the game. It's what you do. Anyway, so there you go. Breaking news. Dockage, or excuse me, I'll go with Urban first. Meyer, Dockage to Arizona State. That's right. Here we go. Here we go. All right. All right. Now it's starting to come just a little bit, and I don't know what's true. What's coming, Dan? Report. Celtics' Emi Udoka accused of making unwanted comments to female staffer, which led to this. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know. An unnamed woman, unwanted comments toward her led the team to investigate the relationship. You know this is coming. That's why I said, as presented, as presented. And it can't be as presented. We know this. We know that there's got to be something in the back. But if there isn't, I'll say it again. Why is he suspended? Why isn't Jeannie Buss suspended? If it's all about consensual sex with a subordinate, then why isn't Jeannie Buss, why wasn't Jeannie Buss suspended for having a sexual relationship? I assume it was a sexual relationship. I mean, damn, Phil Jackson left his wife for Jeannie Buss. I assume he wasn't doing it just for good seats. I don't know, but as presented, and I keep saying that, I think the suspension is ridiculous. Let's see what comes out. All right. Let's talk about jobs. And by the way, I did go see my doctor yesterday, and we had blood work done. You know what he used? He used the word perfect, and I'm going to appeal to you men, okay? Let me appeal to you men. Go get a prostate exam. Go. Do it. Don't mess around with it. I got one yesterday. Of course you don't like it. The doctor puts the glove on. He gets the jelly. I always look. I go, Doc, would you rather be me or would you rather be you? You got to do it. I got to bend over. No, but get it. You've got to get it. I joke. I joke because I joke about things that are maybe a little bit unpleasant, but necessary. Men, particularly you men over 50, go get it and get it every year. It's important enough to me to go get this, that I took a day off yesterday from my afternoon show. That's how important it is. I go once a year to a cardiologist, Dr. Larry Rink. He's the best doctor maybe in the world. He's been the doctor, you name it, Olympic teams, Ryder Cup teams, guys fly in from all over the world. If you've seen a coach probably on TV, they've probably gone to see Dr. Rink. He's a friend of mine. I go every year. I had a couple of my friend's brothers pass away from prostate cancer. Don't screw around with this. Prostate cancer is the most treatable cancer. Serious business. Good friend of mine, Kevin Custer, beat it. Why? Because he, well, he got tested. He got got it early. No problem. I mean, no problem, I say it. He had to go through surgery, that kind of stuff. But you know what I mean. In the realm of cancer, 
it is no problem compared to what people go through that don't get it checked. Please. Men in particular are so ridiculous with this. Go do it once a freaking year. All right. There's a lot of talk about jobs right now. There's a lot of talk about who's going to get jobs, who should be involved in jobs. I said this the other day, and I'll say this again. Let's talk about Nebraska. You can at Nebraska, here's what I'm looking at. You can say to Nebraska, they got the perfect guy, and it didn't work out, Scott Frost. Scott Frost comes to Nebraska after a mythical national championship at UCF. He's a Nebraska guy. He's Mr. Nebraska. Do you know how much that matters in the world of college football recruiting? A little. I'm not going to tell you it doesn't. Like, there's nobody. I've always contended this. When I went back to Indiana, uh, Calvin Sampson could not believe how well I could sell Indiana University. Still can't. Mike Woodson's there now. He can sell the living you-know-what out of Indiana University. He played there. It does matter. But ultimately, you've got to be able to coach them up and win. And I'm shocked. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm absolutely shocked that Nebraska and this Scott Frost thing failed. I am. I thought to myself, if anything was going to go at Nebraska, it was going to be Scott Frost. They tried Bill Callahan. You know, they had Bo Pelini, but Bo was too mean. So who do you get? Well, I got to tell you, first and foremost, I thought Turner Gill was going to be good there. Turner Gill was Mr. Nebraska. Turner Gill did a great job at Buffalo. Turner Gill just disappeared. So the thing that I would do, if I were Nebraska and I was in charge of the search committee, first thing I would do is find out why hasn't this worked. Going back, even with Bo Pelini forward, why hasn't this worked? What is going on here? What has the coaches been doing? Why didn't Scott Frost work? Was there something internally that he wasn't doing? Was he not working hard enough? I would find this out. And if I had to, I would hire people that know football better than me to figure this out. Give me the thread. Study Bellini all the way through right now. And tell me what's not right. And then I would match that as I studied coaches. Now, one of the things you got to understand is there are search firms, and these search firms are paid by schools. And the search firm will do some research for you, but the search firm can't do the real research. I want to know on a daily basis, what is the coach at Baylor about? And how does what he's about fit into what we have lacked here? Because you have to fit that. Surface-level stuff has not worked for Nebraska. They're talking about we're going to throw a king's ransom at the next coach. That's great. Wonderful. But you just had, over the course of this century, two guys, Turner Gill, Scott Frost. Both were uber successful at other places. Both were Nebraska guys. One guy black, one guy white. Different styles. Didn't work. Why? If you don't know the why... This ain't going to work unless you can talk Urban Meyer into coming. If you can talk Urban Meyer into coming to Nebraska, that is, my opinion, the ultimate home run. Yes, Matt Campbell, I'm sure, would be good. Yes, Andrea, the guy from Baylor, I'm sure, would be good. Urban Meyer is the ultimate home run. I don't think he goes, but who knows? The other guy, and I said this yesterday on the show, Deion Sanders, but here's what I would have to do. 
The one thing about Urban Meyer, he's been at Bowling Green, he's been at Utah, he's been at Florida, he's been at Ohio State. He has covered the entire scope of college football. Deion Sanders has not. I want to know on a daily basis, what does Deion Sanders do? What does he do? And I don't care if it's Deion Sanders or Matt Campbell. I don't care. I got to know what they are like, what they are about on a daily basis and fit that to what has been transpiring here with our coaching at Nebraska. What makes them different from what we have had here? In fact, I would argue what makes them better because, frankly, I don't see how you're going to get externally a better fit. I I don't see it. Now, people say, well, a black coach at Nebraska, that's crap. That's complete crap. Just stop with that. That's for social media. That's for guys. That's for victimhood. That's for guys trying to divide. That's all crap. Take that out of it. Now, you look at Arizona State, and you say, okay, what went wrong here? Because if you really look at it, Arizona State is one of the most popular schools in the country. I mean, uh, my ex-wife worked there, and they had like 50,000 kids in their engineering school, something crazy. People want to go to Arizona State. They do. Nebraska, no problem with the facilities. Arizona State, you got to look at everything. You got to say, all right, what are we doing here that hasn't worked? Same thing as Nebraska. Is it facilities? Nebraska, you don't even ask. I mean, I'm just telling you. Nebraska, to me, is the place where you go, well, uh, yeah, they're really good. They're really, really, really good. Everything you want is here. Is that the way at Arizona State? I've been there in a few years. I've been there in about 10, 15 years. I know this. A really good baseball coach named Tracy Smith went out to Arizona State. And he got fired a few years in. Now he landed at Michigan. Really good baseball coach took Indiana to the national cha- or to the College World Series. Great coach. Not good, great. My question wasn't whether Tracy could do the job. My question was, what's Arizona State about? What's going on there? That's what I've got to evaluate. And if you don't do that, you're going to make the same mistake. Herm Edwards was a bad hire. I said it at the time. I met Herm Edwards. I thought Herm Edwards was completely full of crap. Now, I do think Herm Edwards knows football at least to talk it. Does he know it to teach it? Does he know it on a daily basis to grind it? Don't know. I know that Antonio Pierce, his linebacker coach, former player, got him all in trouble because of stupid stuff during COVID. He was basically... Uh, running behind the eight ball or whatever you want to call it. He was swimming upstream before he ever got started because of this investigation. But you got to have someone that's real in there. And you got to have someone that can sell Arizona State to Los Angeles, the Los Angeles, Southern California area, because they're great players there. And I got to tell you, I'm not going to UCLA if I'm in that area. Have you seen the crowds at the Rose Bowl? I want to go where football's big time. I would go to USC. So Arizona State has to figure that out. But I don't know. You know, Lance Leopold, the guy at Kansas, has done this for one year. If I'm him, I'm getting the hell out of there. Dave Aranda, people say, is destined to be an Alabama coach once Saban retires. Maybe. Maybe. But the thing that I would tell you is before, before you just say, okay, this guy's name or that guy's name, you got to find out why it didn't work. I'll give you an example. If the Colts get beat this week, if the Colts, let's just say they get boots down, 35-7, to whatever. 
at home, home open against the Chiefs. Certainly possible. I don't anticipate it happening. But if you're going to go and say, all right, we're going to get a new coach of the Colts, you got to understand one thing if you're that coach and you're a Colts fan. What's the owner all about? What's the problem? Why hasn't this worked? You went from never having a losing season to an overcorrection. You had a meanie. Now you've got the nicest people in the world. Are you too soft? What's in the internal structure? And if I'm a coach, particularly in the NFL, you don't get a lot of chances. Very few dudes get a couple chances. I got to find this out. I do. Jobs are interesting. We always look at it at the can- Lave Lance Leopold alone. Maybe you should hire Lance Leopold, but you got to find out what's wrong with your situation first. How in the heck did Scott Frost fail so miserably? That's the most important thing you got to find out. And until you find that out, I don't know what to tell you. I honestly don't. Because you're just going to make the same mistake over and over and over again, unless, of course, you can run Urban Meyer in there, who's won everywhere. All right, I got to show you this video. I think this was in the third quarter, or maybe this was after. I don't care when it was. This is asinine, idiotic, and wonderful. Uh, Check out this horse and this Walmart. Have a look. What are we doing? He's checking out. <laughs> he is riding a horse uh-huh. in the wall. It's such a good horse. There's a horse in the wall. So sweet. I get it. You got to take pictures. I get it. You got to go, wow, that's crazy. But you know what horses do? Big dumps. Big. And a lot of them. You know, one thing I didn't see, I didn't see anybody behind that horse like you see in a parade, right? You go to a parade and there's horses. There's always those dudes sweeping. What are they sweeping? Crap. What are we doing in this country? Can anybody explain this to me? Can you, can you play that video again? We got a horse wandering through a Walmart. For what? I don't know. Uh, this is a real video. Now, when you go to the video, people say, well, it was the third quarter. Oh, really? All right. Everything's bigger in Texas. A cowboy fan rode his horse into Walmart after yesterday's win. Amanda says it was during the third quarter. And besides, he went to go get a bucket to put water in for him to drink. What else was he supposed to do? Tie him up outside? Zeke's dad rode him too. I mean, what are we doing? Uh, I agree with this response here to that. Looks like an elaborate payoff on a bet lost, like disc jockeys used to do back in the day. How about that? Honest to God, this is the world we're living in. The world we're living in is now, I'm at the store yesterday and some lady's got her dog in there. What what, what are we? Why? Why are we in a supermarket and there's a dog in there? Why are we in a Walmart and a horse is walking around? 
Hey, 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 hey. This is something that should never be said. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, we don't need that horse in here. Don't bring that horse in here. No, 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 no. That should never be said with a retail store. Think about your training. Your training, wait, all right, now if they bring a horse, you gotta make sure it has a diaper. If, if they're gonna bring a horse, then you gotta make sure that the guy behind it has something to sweep it up. What in the Sam and Henry are we doing in this country? Can you explain this to me? I was just gonna say 317-239-1070. Somebody, anybody, explain it. A horse walking through a Walmart. It makes no sense, but yet this is the world that we live in. Who's gonna be fired first in the NFL? Don't discount Frank Wright. Don't discount him. Don't even think about discounting Frank Wright. Mm. Hey, there is on our YouTube chat, uh, is Cooper Rush the future of the Cowboys? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Eric says, better than the normal sweat and spandex you see in Walmart on a Saturday morning. If you go to Walmart this week, Will you please, please, please send me any pictures? Uh, Dan, that's an alpha adult male emotional dog or rescue creature is what he said. I I was looking at a couple. Uh, I don't think the GM goes with the Colts. I don't. I think the coach may go. I think the coach may, uh, if they get whomped, the GM is a survivor. And I'm not saying that the GM would throw the coach under the bus, he really not going to have to. I mean, seriously, he's really not going to have to. What he's going to have to do is find a new coach. And remember, remember, this is not, this was not, Frank Reich, the first choice. It's not. It's not the first choice at all. And speaking of jobs, let me ask you a simple question. Can anybody explain to me why Matt Rule, who basically did a, a little as a college coach. I mean, he was at Temple. He turned the Temple job into the Baylor job. He won a little bit. Can anybody explain to me my, why Matt Rule gets such a pass as an NFL coach? Is there anybody out there? They're like 1 in 26. And I'm being literal here. They're like 1 in 26 in one-score games. Now, I don't know. Maybe Matt Rule is the greatest coach ever. Urban Meyer came into the NFL, and you'd have thought he was the Antichrist. You'd have thought he was like, oh, my God, he's not one of us, so we must lose our mind. Matt Rule this year so far has lost close. They lost at the Giants, and they lost a two-point game uh, to Cleveland. So now they've got the Saints coming in and the Cardinals. Got to tell you, they got three-game homestand. If Matt Rule goes 0 for 3, he's going to be fired. He is. The first guy to be fired is either going to be Matt Rule, unless somebody does something stupid, right? Unless somebody does uh, Emi Udoka and starts stooping somebody or is stooping somebody in the front office. I mean, let's be, let's be honest here. Somebody going to get fired, period. Uh, no coaches. There's no way every coach is going to make it through the season. There's not a chance. There's not a chance. There's too many coaches that are doing squat. 
You got to give Kevin Stefanski credit, though, man. Kevin Stefanski is not messing around. Kevin Stefanski's getting it done, big time getting it done. I mean, he's smart. He looks the part. I like Kevin Stefanski. I look at Frank Reich and I say to myself, why does an offensive guard have to tell you to run Jonathan Taylor? I look at Matt Rule. Someone said Matt Rule looks homeless. Dan, are you recruiting Urban to the Colts? No. No, the Colts would not hire Urban. I don't know. Is Urban unvaxxed? I don't know. But what I do know is the NFL is getting ready. I don't think we're going to have to wait. I don't think we're going to have to wait, all right, for a coach to be fired. I don't think we're going to have to wait till Black Sunday. I think Matt Rule or Frank Reich. The problem with Frank Reich is Jimmy Ursay really likes Frank Reich. Look, all can be done for Frank Reich either way. If the Colts do what I think they're going to do, I'm not sure they're going to win, but they're going to play really well against Kansas City. Frank Reich off the hook. Certainly if they win. All bets are off. They get crushed 35-7, to 42-14. to 14. You know what I mean. Something like that. We could see Frank Reich done Monday. Matt Rule, look, they get beat again, again, and again. This three-game home stretch which ends with the San Francisco 49ers. Matt Rule could be the guy that goes first. But one of those two guys right now are coaching for their job. Maybe both. Probably both. Frank Reich on a one-day deal. Matt Rule, I don't know. Maybe he's got more time. Maybe he's got these three games. But it is fascinating to me. It is fascinating that Urban came in and he was the Antichrist. Matt Rule, who has been absolutely horrific since he got here, has caught no media flack nationally. It's almost like Matt Rule doesn't exist. And I think that's okay. I think that's great. All right, let me go back to something. I think as presented, Absolutely presented. The Imi Udoku suspension is ridiculous, asinine, unfair. And for those of you that are complaining that every woman under the umbrella of the Boston Celtics organization, I defer to my wife, the lovely Lee Ross Dockets. We call her LLRD. Then the woman who was engaged in the consensual sex that caused all, caused all this uproar in Boston should come out and say, it was me. That eliminates this whole umbrella of it being unfair to the women of the Boston Celtics. That eliminates it. I mean, this guy is the coach. He's a public figure. We get that. I'm not complaining about him being outed. That's the way of the world. You're the coach, man. You're the public figure. You could argue other than Belichick, who in Boston is bigger than the coach of the Celtics? I don't know. Brady when he was there, maybe Gronk when he was there, but guess what? They're not there. And oh, by the way, the Celtics went to the NBA Finals, had a chance, up 2-1, fourth quarter lead, as Frank Isola said yesterday. Steph Curry went all Steph Curry. But you tell me, why is it okay? Why, if everyone wants equal footing, Everything is supposed to be equal in this world. Why is it okay for this guy, Udoka, to have to stand up in front of everybody and guess what? The woman doesn't. I'll listen. I'm asking a question. 
People are saying she's a victim. Well, it looks like he's kind of a victim too. Well, he, 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 men can't have sex. Well, they can by themselves. I mean, the old adage, it takes two to tango. So you explain it to me and I'll listen. And I cannot wait to listen. Seriously. I cannot wait to listen. 317-239. I'm always getting ready to give the phone number. It drives me nuts. As presented. Now, if he's been a creep, if he's been a creeper, then fine. Let us know that. But until then, hey, look, and don't be leaking things. Don't be giving us little leaks here and there. No. What happened? You let me know, and we'll go with it. Yeah. All right, we're going to talk a little Florida, Tennessee football, and then we're going to give you bets. I've been on fire. I can show you. I can show you last night on my DraftKings account. Last night on my DraftKings account was one of the easiest nights I've ever had. It was. Uh, I did take Georgia State. I did. I did. Two-team parlay, Georgia State and West Virginia. $100 to win $300. That hit. Uh, Coastal Carolina, minus two and a half. That hit. West Virginia, minus two and a half. That hit. Oh, wait, I got $700 in my account. You're not supposed to see that. There you go. I am not one of those guys that tells you and then doesn't show you. I got the receipts, baby. That's right. Bob Casey, how do we say his name? I want to make sure I got this right. He's a freaking legend. He's been there forever. Tennessee football on the rise. Is Florida football on the rise? This I do not know. But it's one of my favorite games, and I cannot wait to talk about it. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Ladies and gentlemen, the big football game of the weekend, and I'm very glad this is a big football game. Even in the great state of Indiana, when I was an assistant basketball coach to Bob Knight, I always told coach, we got to have practice in the morning on this coming Saturday. Why? I'll tell you why. Because whenever Florida played Tennessee, it was my favorite football game to watch. Bob Kesling, join us. He is the longtime voice of the Tennessee Volunteers. We were talking off air. It's good to have a massive game, right? Heupel's doing a great job. People are fired up. Let's go. (laughs) Kind of takes you back to the 90s when uh, Steve Spurrier and Philip Fulmer were going head-to-head. And and the game really... uh, uh, if you if you won it, you had a chance to win the SEC East and go on to the championship game and win an SEC title. If you didn't, you you thought your whole season was almost uh, over. So it, it is a, a, a game in which uh, that it, it's it's relevant again, and I think that's what Tennessee fans are excited about. This game means a lot, and it's an important game. It's a national game, and uh, and everybody's fired up and ready to go. Can I make the argument because, um, you know, everybody tries to recruit in Florida, obviously. You got Napier, who obviously, you know, knew there, Hypo, who's really getting going now. From a recruiting standpoint, this game has massive implications, seems to me. 
Yeah, it does. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Billy Napier was born in Tennessee. He was born in Cookville. So he's still got a lot of family ties here. He didn't stay here long, I think two years, and then he moved away. But uh, so he, this game is special for him coming back home. Uh, yeah, both of these teams, they were Florida, of course, obviously has that fertile recruiting ground. And Tennessee will dip down there and get some speed or get some, you know, select players every once in a while. But this is, you know, these, these, this is a regional game too, recruiting wise. Tennessee is going to have lots of players in from the Southeast, Georgia and Alabama and Florida this weekend. So not only is it a big football game on the field, it's a big recruiting weekend for Tennessee. And, and uh, Josh Heupel has done a really good job um, recruiting. You know, he's, you know, Dan, when he took over last year, his, his roster was depleted. He had a lot of guys leave on the transfer portal. He had a lot of guys just didn't come back for that extra year. And so he was down about 35 players or so or 40. I don't know what the exact number is, but it was something like that. So then he comes in and starts plugging holes here and there, getting guys and having to restock the roster. He is not quite where uh, a normal SEC roster is in terms of, of, of uh, depth and those type things. So he's trying to build that. And uh, he's coaching up the guys he's got. But this is a huge recruiting weekend. You're right, because there'll be a lot of people coming in uh, they'll get get to see Tennessee for the first time, and they'll get to see a tremendous atmosphere on Saturday. $280,000 type recruiting weekend. Is that what we're looking at here? A little arch man? <laughs> Probably more. Probably more. <laughs> Probably a lot more. It's amazing. <laughs> this NIL stuff, Dan, you've been dealing with it too. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. No, you know what? And you probably agree with this, Bob. Nothing would surprise you. Like, I saw Mike Leach said, well, I don't know how they could spend that much money. And I thought to myself, well, I do. (laughs) And Mike does, too. He does. Yeah. Dan, one time, Derek Dooley said something that has stuck with me, and I think it's very appropriate right now. He said, in these situations, remember, it's never about the money. It's about the amount of money. And I think that's very true. It is. That is. I mean, uh, all right. Uh, I watched Tennessee. To your point about Hypo, my wife and I, first SEC game that I'd ever been to, uh, we went down to the Alabama-Tennessee game last year, and, you know, it did not end well. But I'll say this, man. Um, Tennessee kids play really, really hard. They made some mistakes in the fourth quarter. The game got away from them. But my wife's a longtime coach, Hall of Fame softball coach, and we walked out of there going, this is a really well-coached team that's going to be uh, on the come. Will a guy like Cedric Tillman, will he play in this game? You need guys in this one. You need guys. You need the Jimmies and the Joes in this game. Uh, nobody knows for sure. They're keeping all these injuries pretty tight to the best. Uh, if it's a high ankle sprain, uh, maybe he can play, but you wouldn't think he'd be at 100%. But they need Cedric Tillman to play. Uh, Dan, I think you hit on something, too, when you mentioned the fact that uh, Tennessee was in that Alabama game going to the fourth quarter. I mean, they put up points on Alabama last year. They were in the game against Ole Miss in the fourth quarter. They were in the game against Pittsburgh in the fourth quarter, but they didn't pull those games out. And a lot of that had to do with quality depth. Uh, you know, when it, to win games in the SEC and to win those fourth quarter games, you got to have quality depth. And you look at the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Ohio States, when somebody gets hurt, they put somebody else in there that's almost as good. There's not that much of a drop-off. So Tennessee, that's what, that's where Tennessee's trying to get to. And that's why I think the, the Pittsburgh win this year was really good because the defense had to win the game for Tennessee, and they won a game not only in the fourth quarter, but they won it in overtime. 
And that gave this team a lot of confidence that they can maybe they're getting to the point where they can win those close games in the fourth quarter. And, and you know, in these SEC games, that's what's going to take Saturday. I mean, whichever team wins the fourth quarter is going to win this game, I think. You know, Bob, to your point, it, it, I didn't think necessarily uh, it, it was an education for me on exactly what you just said there, quality backups. I didn't think Tennessee got tired. I just think the guys got whatever, and then you had to put guys in, and they weren't good enough. I mean, it, you know, in the fourth quarter last year, and that's what you're talking about, quality mm-hmm. depth. Speaking of this guy, Anthony Richardson, is odd to me. I thought he was, like, unbelievable against Utah. I'm watching that. And then I read a stat here. Zero passing touchdowns the entire yeah. – I would have guessed, again, just watching the Utah game, I thought he threw, like, three touchdowns, spun around, threw one behind his back. You know what I'm saying? I Yeah. What is yeah. this guy? No touchdowns, four interceptions. Yeah, no touchdowns, four interceptions. That's his line, which is kind of hard to hard to believe that. Uh you know, they, I've read a couple of stories and heard some interviews this week from Florida people. You know, he hadn't run very much the last two weeks. Against Utah, you're right, Dan. He was unbelievable with his legs and what he does. But they, they're saying because they're, they maybe their their backup quarterback, Jack Miller, is m- probably won't be able to go on Saturday, that now Richardson is kind of a reluctant runner, that they don't want to get him banged up and get him hurt. I, I think for them to beat Tennessee, he's going to have to run. Because so far he hasn't established the fact that he can beat you with his arm. He beats you with his legs. So I think that's going to be a very interesting factor in the game. I think the other interesting thing for uh, Richardson is going to be the noise level. You know, he hasn't played in an environment like he's going to see on Saturday. So communicating, uh, getting into the right play, getting out of bad plays, and making decisions at the line of scrimmage is going to be very hard for him. Uh, So we'll see how he can adjust to that. I think that's a big big uh, check mark in uh, Tennessee's favor on Saturday the crowd and 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 the atmosphere that's going to be uh, that's going to be like nothing he's seen at Neyland Stadium well let me piggyback on that Bob I, I feel kind of silly asking this question because of the history tradition and fan base of Tennessee but you know you made the point that this would be you know loudest Richardson has this would be the loudest in Neyland Stadium or the biggest game in Neyland Stadium since when Goodness, uh, Oklahoma came in with Baker Mayfield. That was a huge game when Butch Jones was here. Uh, the Florida game every year is big, but this one seems to have a, a bigger feel to it. Um, the Alabama game every year is big, um, so those those games are always sold out. Um, I, that's a good point. I mean, I guess probably this might be the biggest game since, um, in terms of catapulting your program since Coach Fulmer was here. Um, because this is a game that, you know, when Coach Fulmer was here, even though they didn't win all those games, you went into the game thinking you were going to win it. Well, Tennessee thinks it's going to win this game on Saturday. And it's been a while since Tennessee has gone into a game against Florida. I mean, Tennessee's lost 16 of the last 17 against Florida, which is hard to believe, and five in a row. But uh, so you go into the game hoping you can win. But I think this Tennessee team really believes it's going to win. So that, that makes it a very big game. High scoring, I saw the number over-under was 62. You anticipate a high-scoring game? Well, I think Tennessee's going to score. You know, the Heupel's offense, they average about 40 points a game. And uh, so I think Florida, that's that's another key. Can Florida score 30 points? They might have to score 30 to to win this game. Can they score that many points against Tennessee? 
And can Josh uh, Anthony Richardson put that many points on the board? You know, I'm not sure. You know, Dan, this has been an interesting series, too, because uh, before 1992, when they had the split of divisions in the SEC, Tennessee and Florida hardly ever played. You know, those back in the days in the 70s when they only played six conference games and you didn't very rarely saw Florida. Alabama was always the biggest rivalry. And then suddenly the division split and now Tennessee's playing Florida every year. And Florida is the first SEC game on the schedule. And you got Steve Spurrier and Philip Fulmer going head to head. So uh, people under 40 think that Florida is the, the biggest rivalry in Tennessee history. And people over 40 still know it's Alabama. So it's very interesting how this game fits in among Tennessee fans. But I think everybody will say now this game is very, very important for Tennessee and Josh Heupel. If you win it, that really gives you momentum. You got an open date next week, then you play at LSU. And then you got Georgia and Alabama following those. If you lose this game, then you got, you know, it's, Dan, it's always hard when you lose a game and you got an open date because you just sit there and beat yourself up and think about what, what should have happened, what could have happened. If you win this game, then you got uh, two weeks to really build off it and get ready for LSU down in Baton Rouge. So, I mean, I don't think you can put really uh, enough emphasis on how big this game is for Tennessee. Bob, I got to tell you, as a guy that coached for 25 years, you looked at a few things, at least in basketball. Uh, first, I'm going to schedule the worst opponent I can possibly find at home the game before Christmas break because I want right. a merry freaking Christmas. Yeah, and then, right. you look at your conference, <laughs> then you look at your conference schedule and you say, okay, where's the bye and who are we playing and where? Because what a miserable experience for a football oh. coach. You know, basketball coach, you might have to sit on a loss for a week. Football coach, two loss, I would – I don't know what I would do. I, I, yeah. I don't know. It's Horrible. Just the, only, the other thing, too, that was used to be, Coach Majors, when he was here, he always scheduled an open date before Alabama. So you had two weeks to have the, the propaganda and the promos and the buildup and the players – I think by the time Alabama got around, they were just worn out from you know all the all the emphasis that's put on the game, and uh, and I think that that can play a factor too. And Coach Heupel has talked about it this week. I mean, there's so much noise surrounding this game. There are so many you know the players you know, they're going to be pulled. Hey, I get need tickets. You know, Aunt Aunt Martha wants to come in for the game. Can you get me tickets and all those type things? And you've got all your you can't walk down the street without somebody telling these guys, Hey, you better beat Florida. And so handling the noise, I think is going to be a key factor for, for Tennessee as well. That brings Hendon hooker into the equation. I mean, Hendon hooker is 24 and a half years old. Uh, He's been around college football for six years. There's nothing that that quarterback has not seen. So you would expect on Saturday, whatever Florida throws at him, he's going to be able to make the adjustment. They go so fast. You saw it, Dan, when you saw him against Alabama. They, they split two wideouts to the boundary on every play. you got to cover those guys. If, if you don't, then they throw the, the, the quick little bubble screen to those guys, and, and they've got an advantage there. If you do cover those guys, then that opens up the middle of the field for your running game or for those quick slants. So Josh Heupel's offense is very, very hard to defend, especially when you got a veteran quarterback like Kendon Hooker who uh, can dissect a, a defense in 14 seconds and get the next playoff. So Hooker's a big weapon. Hooker's going to be a big factor in this game as well. You know, Dan, he's, uh, he threw three interceptions last year. 
39 touchdown passes and three interceptions. It's a pretty good ratio. Hadn't thrown an interception this year. He's thrown 187 consecutive passes without an interception, which is a Tennessee record. So, you know, with the quarterback, sometimes, well, a ball will be tipped at the line of scrimmage or it'll bounce off the receiver's face mask and it'll, you know, land in the arms of the linebacker. But Hendon is so accurate in his throws, he doesn't have that problem. And uh, one of the reasons he won the job last year from Joe Milton is he takes care of the ball and he doesn't make have turnovers. And uh, his touchdown, and, and he told me, and I tried to look this stat up yesterday, uh, but I couldn't find it. I'll keep looking. He also said he holds the record for consecutive consecutive passes without an interception at Virginia Tech as well as he does at Tennessee. So he's got it at two schools. So I got to find that number from Virginia Tech. I, that's my goal this afternoon. One of many goals I've got this afternoon. I tell people I got the most hair of any dockage, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's you know, you got to You can always say, but I. I <laughs> You know, wasn't a as a Big Ten guy. I remember when Joe Milton transferred from Michigan, and I think a lot of people anticipated him. You know, a big, strong kid can throw to you know that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I, I think people in the Big Ten were surprised that, that Joe Milton hasn't been really able to get on the field. He has a he has a fastball, and it is a fastball. I mean, he could he threw Danny threw two of the prettiest touchdown passes. I've ever seen at Neyland Stadium last week. One was a 57-yard dart right down the middle. He just flicks it. And he had another one that was 40-some yards. Uh, he, it's amazing to watch him on the practice field. Uh, he, he's got the strongest arm of any quarterback I've seen. There was a scrimmage that I was able to watch. He rolls right at the 50-yard line, flicks the ball to the back corner of the end zone, and Ramel Keaton caught it right in the corner, and I and I went to talk to Coach Heupel after the after the scrimmage. I said, "That was a pretty impressive throw by Milton." He said, "That's nothing. You should have seen the one he made the other day when he threw it all the way across the field, <laughs> seventy yards." So, but he 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 has to have one of the problems doesn't have a lot of touch on the ball. He's really worked on that. And the interesting factor is, uh, you know, he got banged up in the Pittsburgh game, and when Hendon Hooker came in here from Virginia Tech thinking that he was going to be the starting quarterback. And then they get in competition. They get in fall camp. And Joe Milton clearly won the job. There was no question. He he beat out Hendon Hooker for the job. But Hooker didn't go to Coach Heupel and mope and groan and think I'm going to the transfer portal and be a malcontent. All he did, he went to Coach Heupel and says, what do I have to do to get on the field? And then when Joe Milton got banged up a little bit against Pittsburgh, here comes Hendon Hooker, and he doesn't give the job back. And, but then the, I think the impressive thing is Milton didn't leave. Milton didn't transfer. He didn't sulk or, or make the, you know, get, be a malcontent. In fact, he and Hendon Hooker are roommates, which is amazing. So they compete on the field. They're also close friends. And it's a big advantage for Tennessee now because they think they've got two quarterbacks that can play. And Joe Milton has really bought in to becoming a better quarterback in terms of mechanics touch on the ball, reading defenses, and Hendon Hooker has helped him with that. So uh, I, I think it's a very interesting scenario because a lot of teams are still trying to figure out who their starting quarterback is. I mean, who's the best guy for the job? Tennessee really thinks they have two guys they could they could fill in right now, uh, but Hooker clearly is number one. 
I've always said modern-day kids are a lot better teammates than I ever was because I used to root. If a guy was ahead of me, I'd root for him to make five turnovers so I can get back in the damn game. Kids are not – hey, uh, before I let you go, is a, is a ten-and-a-half point spread – it seems like – I'm not saying about this particular game, but it seems like over the years this had been a big old spread. I always felt like these two teams were, you know, neck and neck. That, that spread seemed right to you? Probably when you look at it on paper, thank you. Uh, because of the, uh, you just don't know about Florida. I mean, you know, Billy Napier is still trying to put pieces in place and who's where. And I think the how they struggled uh, the last couple of games offensively probably is the reason. Because you look at Tennessee, you, you know Tennessee's going to score, uh, so that that probably is a good line. But Dan, I've been around this game a long time, this Tennessee Florida series, and you usually can just take that point spread and just throw it out because. There have been many, many years on both sides that the favorite team did not win this game. And uh, if Tennessee thinks that Florida is going to roll over tomorrow and not be ready for a fight, I think they're sadly mistaken. I don't think Josh Heupel and the coaching staff and the players believe that, but the Tennessee fans are pretty giddy right now. They think it's going to be a beatdown tomorrow, and I'm not necessarily sure that's going to happen. Hey, last, last thing. I go back to the <laughs> Alabama game and – I researched this. You know, Alabama smoked cigars after they beat Tennessee. So we brought cigars, my wife, my daughter, and I, right? Does t- I love the SEC. I mean, I love the SEC. Does Tennessee have any one of those kind of traditions with anybody? Well, they'll be smoking cigars if they beat Alabama. You know, it started because a, a former Tennessee trainer went to Alabama. And so when he got to Alabama, he wanted them to beat Tennessee, and that's why he brought the cigars. And that's where – of course, they've been banned by the SEC. You can't have tobacco on the field or in the locker room. It didn't stop Alabama last year from smoking those cigars. No. No. You know, in the booth, in the booth, there were about four guys right in front of us, and the wind was blowing into our booth. They they got those stogies fired up about midway in the fourth quarter, about gagged us in there. So we want to return the favor to them. Yeah, I don't think there's any post-game celebrations. They, you know, back in 98, when Tennessee beat Florida to go on to win the national championship, they tore the goalpost down, and uh, CBS had one of those cameras on the goalpost. That wound up in the Tennessee River. They threw it off the Gay Street Bridge. <laughs> CBS is still looking for that camera they threw away, but uh, there'll be a big-time celebration. It'll be uh, – uh, the Cumberland Strip will be a lot of fun on Saturday night if Tennessee can win this game, that's for sure. Bob, I, I, you know how everywhere you go now is no smoking, no smoking. So I'm looking around. My wife, my wife's a big rule follower, and we're like, "Can we do this? Can we do this?" You know, and all of a sudden, everybody else is doing it, right? And they then, as you know, yeah, the haze started rising, and by the end of the game, I just think the SEC is so cool, and and uh, we're going every year somewhere. I don't know, but it's great, Bob. Hey, have a great hey, broadcast. Put, put, have a fun time. Hey, Put Tennessee on your schedule. Bring your boat down here and tie up to the Vol Navy and uh, then j- enjoy oh. the Vol Walk and Peyton Manning Pass and the Tennessee Walking Horse and all the stuff we got going. Come down and enjoy. It's a fun time to be here for a football weekend. I know. My daughter keeps telling me she's in Nashville. She's a school teacher, and she's like, Dad, we got to go. And I'm okay. I mean, you know. Go. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Go. Appreciate you. All right, Dan. I'll see you. Thanks. That's enjoy awesome. the weekend. I. You too. Have a great weekend. Uh, Bob Kessling is the voice of the Tennessee Vols. What a great guy. What a great time. 
Uh, that is, and I'm telling you, I had friends that have done that for years. They go to a night game, maybe at LSU, or they go to the world's greatest cocktail party, you know, in Jacksonville. We went last year, and I, I, honest to God, I can't stop talking about it. I can't. I mean, I got to – Greg McElroy hooked us up. I got to – I got to get back with him. And look, in Indiana, we have a good time at football games. Like, Indiana football is a great tailgate, very underrated tailgate. Now, you go to the game, and many people know this, right? You all know this that are watching. You go to the game, and all right, you know, you stay for a half, and then you leave, right? I mean, that's what you do at Indiana. It's a tradition unlike any other. You go, you tailgate your brains out, you walk into the game, you watch the first half, you go back out, and nobody comes back in. The students have been, and I don't know whether or not Purdue is the same. I feel like Purdue is the same, but the tailgate at Indiana is great. But one of the beautiful things about Indiana is you get to go home at halftime. Uh, that's what I always did because the freaking road from 37, it's called uh, I-69 now, from Indianapolis here to Bloomington here has been under construction, I'm telling you, for 10 years. When my daughter was a freshman, it was under construction. Maybe it's eight years. Maybe she's been out of college three or four years. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. I do know this. Last week, we gave you a few winners. Jeffrey underscore Clark at G-E-O-F-F-E-R-Y underscore Clark. It's also at Outkick Bets. He's going to give you some picks. I'm going to give you some picks. And to show you how good we were last week, ladies and gentlemen, I even had it wrong, straightened it out, Buffalo in the middle of it, and guess what? Boom! That one hit. Not by much, but that one hit. We like a couple of the same games. In fact, there is a game on here when we come back. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to bet way too much money on. I had a big night last night, and I showed you the parlay that I hit with Virginia, uh, Virginia, excuse me, West Virginia and Coastal Carolina, and then I bet them individually, and they all hit. But there is a game, and I'm going to get right to it with my man Jeff Clark when we come back that I am going to bet too much money. Too much. Tell you what it is next. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real Steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Jeffrey underscore Clark, baby, on Twitter. At Jeffrey <laughs> underscore Clark with a G. I'm going to make you some money here at Outkick Bets. Um, you and I agree on a bet. And I want to talk about this bet. I am going to do it right now, as a matter of fact. USC minus five and a half at Oregon State. I don't know. I may bet $10,000 on USC in this game. I think USC is playing, well, they're great, they're talented, and they're playing to get into the college football playoff, 
which is what USC alums that I have. I know four different ones, three football players. That's the expectation. You like that game as well. Do you like it as much as I, big boy? I believe so. Yeah, I'm going to put a, a big chunk of change on this one. Right now it's USC minus five and a half. It's trickled down from seven. So the sharp money appears to be on Oregon State, but we played the sharp angle last week with Nebraska getting 11 at Oklahoma, and we saw how that turned out. Sometimes you can be a little too sharp for your own good, and I'm just not going to overthink this one. I I, I think Lincoln Riley is going to bully the Pac-12 immediately, and I think they're going to win the Pac-12 this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if they are competing in the college football championship. And the other thing people kind of need to – understand and put their arms around is that there is no gap between Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is as good as those guys, if not better. Like what what a, a superstar athlete. He's got a, a howitzer for an arm. Um, and Lincoln Riley isn't coaching him up. He's building around him. This guy's a former five-star recruit and I think he's gonna win the Heisman this year. I took him at seven to one earlier this uh pre or in the preseason he's going at plus 300 right now so i got some close and live value at this point and the two factors that matter most to me in this game and i hopefully you notice this too as well dan it's the it's usc's ground game is going to just destroy and trample oregon state's defense oregon state's defense is terrible at stopping the run from all advanced and basic metrics and I think USC covers the spread by just dominating them on third down. Oregon State's outside the top 100 and third down conversion rate. USC has the second best sack rate in the country. So I think they're going to get Oregon State off the field um, and, and, and win by margin. So what are you, why you do know, you like USC? The exact same thing. Look, I, I, look, at, I look at this like, when I see certain teams, this is why I think college football is a little easier to bet. When I, see, when I see certain teams and I see the talent level, the coaching of certain teams, I understand Oregon State's 3-0. I get it. And they've had nice wins. They beat Boise State and they beat them pretty good. Both teams beat Fresno. USC beat Fresno a little bit easier. That's fine. But I see certain teams that, how do I put this right, that are above an upset. And Ohio State, above an upset. Alabama, above an upset. And I think USC, because they're on the West Coast, this game's going to be on the Pac-12 network. Nobody's going to see this game, right? Uh, I think they're above an upset right now. Like, that doesn't mean that at the end of the year they can't lose to, if Notre Dame improves, they can't lose to a Notre Dame team. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying right now their passing game is fantastic. You mentioned their running game. They're athletic as heck. And I think Lincoln Riley, as to your point, has this team in a mode from people that I have talked to. This isn't a mode of just competing. This is a bigger bigger deal here, which is the college football playoff. I, I just think everything points. I thought the line would be over seven. I thought the line might be seven and a half to make us make a decision, you know, a two-score game, that kind of thing. But when I saw it under a touchdown – I thought I'll take that any day of the week because I don't think you're going to see many USC games under a touchdown. I, I don't, Jeff. I don't. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. I, yeah. I think in if they if this game was in two weeks, this line would be ten and a half. Like I just think I think Lincoln Riley is going to buzz saw through the Pac-12. So and he um, has I'm gonna to. Be, I'm going to be. Doesn't he have to? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he knows that the Pac-12 is a, one of the weakest uh, conference, probably the weakest Power Five conference. So if they have any chance of winning, like, making it to the college playoff, he probably needs to go undefeated. So, yeah, I, I, I see Lincoln Riley and USC winning in style several times this season, and Oregon State is going to be a victim Saturday. Uh, I call them mortgage bets because, well, we're going to win the mortgage. A DoorDash bet is, well, we're going to have to go door dashing. This is a mortgage bet. Can we put up, can we put up Jeff's bets here? Because I like, uh, you've got Clemson. You've got Clemson minus seven and a half. Go through that if you don't mind. Well, it's down to seven now. Thank God. I bet it at seven. Um, I, I was willing to play it at seven and a half when I talked to the producers yesterday, but down to seven at our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, and for me, Clemson's defense is just too talented to play against a one-dimensional offense, um, which which Wake Forest is. They, they can't run the ball. They had 21 rushing yards against Liberty last week. Clemson is 17-10 and 10 against the number when holding opponents to 90 yards or less on the ground over the last five seasons. Wake Forest averages 87 yards on the ground. Wake Forest's defense is bad again this year. I know they have a, a great quarterback and Sam Hartman or a talented quarterback. Um, and Clemson's offense sucked last year, but they still up, still put up 48 points against Wake Forest. Um, I believe their offense got better year over year. Not, not, um, not, it didn't greatly improve, but they are better. And Clemson is 25 and 15 against the number and um, conference play a seven-point favorites or more over the last five seasons. So uh, it's chalky as well. Both my college football plays are chalky, but I think this is where we start to see the separation between the haves and the have-nots. So, Yeah, I don't care. Chalky, not chalky. Win us some freaking money. All right, you and I, we talked. The next one is USC. We already talked about that. I'm fired up about that one. You like the Texans this week, eh? Yeah, I do like the Texans and the revenge of Lovey Smith, which is a goofy, hacky angle. Um, it's more of a joke, but uh, I, I just I don't see it right now with with Justin Fields um, and the Chicago Bears roster. And I, I do like the Houston Texans as um, I like them as a dog. And I, I, I like their players uh, in comparison to, to the Chicago Bears players, Gina or uh, excuse me, not um, Davis Mills is is uh, clearly had a better rookie season than than Justin Fields. Jerry Hughes is an elite pass rusher that I think is going to wreak havoc against Chicago Bears, just terrible offensive line. Um, and Chicago Bears are becoming a public favorite, which I think is an overreaction to them upsetting San Francisco in week one, which was more due to extenuating circumstances like the weather and San Francisco having a weaker starting quarterback. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to fade the public, take the Texans in this spot. Um, they've covered both their games, obviously in their tie against the Colts um, and last week in a, in a, in a Broncos loss, but it's mostly a fade the public play and, and the public is behind a terrible Bears team. I, you know, you got to throw out that San Francisco game. I mean, that was in the slop, Justin Fields, He's a better talker than he is player to this point, in my opinion. I grew up a Bears fan, and I, I still am a Bears fan, but my thing is just shut up and win. <laughs> That's it. Right. 
That's all. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with right, you. you know, he, he's, got a, he's got a lot of improving to do before, you know, he starts running his app. So I'm with you on that one. The Jaguars look good against my Colts, big fella. The Jaguars look like they're a Super Bowl bound, Jeff. I mean, they look damn good. You're riding it, huh? You're taking the seven at the Chargers. Absolutely. I'm sprinkling on the money line here. I hope you liked the Jaguars last week against the Colts, and I was I was cold, I was um, neutral on the game and ended up passing. I hope I didn't talk you out of it. Did you Did you make that no, bet no. because it was the easiest bet last week? Oh yeah, what a I what a winner! Oh, rocking, yeah, yeah, we call that in the business a rocking chair cover. Well done, well done, Dan. Um, so here's <laughs> the big thing for me: the biggest factor in the Jaguars Chargers matchup is the health of both rosters. Jacksonville reported zero injuries this week. There's no injuries, right? The Chargers, obviously, Justin Herbert has a, a few broken ribs uh, that he sustained on Thursday night football. I don't care what anyone says. Those ribs don't heal after 10 days. They could be without Pro Bowl number one wide receiver Keenan Allen. They could be without Pro Bowl center Corey Lindsey. And here's a big thing for me. So this very sharp offshore sports book, who I won't name because they don't sponsor either one of our podcasts. I will shout out here, though, DraftKings and PointsBet Sportsbook, since they do offer beautiful promotions, which you can get at outkick.com backslash bet. Check those out. But there's this offshore sports book, right, that took the Jaguars chargers off the board. Now, this sports book accepts the biggest bets from all bettors across the world, right? But they took this game off the board. Now, what that tells me, Dan, is that there's a legitimate chance Justin Herbert does not play in this game. And this big sports book doesn't want to get racked by sharp bettors who might find this information out early, right? So they just completely took the Jaguars-Chargers game off the board. I think Justin Herbert might miss Sunday, so I already grabbed the money line and the spread. You know, uh, pro tip, definitely put a lot more money on the plus seven than the money line, but I sprinkled on the money line because there's a chance Justin Herbert doesn't play. And either way, this Jacksonville roster is talented. They have three legitimate Pro Bowl players on defense between Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen, and and Devin Lloyd. Now, two of them are rookies, but those are going to be names that everyone will know in a couple years, if not by the end of this year. So I love the Jaguars' momentum. I am a little bit overreacting to last week or just their early season performance, but I'm drinking the Jaguars' Kool-Aid. I love Trevor Lawrence ever since he stepped in at Clemson, so – Let's take the Jaguars and sprinkle on the money line. What do you think about that? I think you're absolutely right. Like, I, I was talking to 35-year defensive coordinator in the NFL, a guy named Rick Venturi, and before the season, we were talking about you're playing Houston, talking about the Colts, and then you're playing Jacksonville. And people obviously, you know, they, they in Indianapolis, they poo-pooed both teams. Well, he's like, hey, Dan, hold on a second. He goes, first, Davis Mills was the best rookie quarterback last year. That's going to be a dogfight. And number two, and more importantly, he calls them ambient players, Jeffrey. He calls the guys that, like Josh Allen, right, uh, guys that co- cause coaches to have to take ambient to sleep the night before because <laughs> they're talented. He said, these guys, Jacksonville has a loaded roster of ambient guys. And 
when he tells me that, he's no joke. Like he he watch he yeah. studies. I'm 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 all in on it, particularly Herbert not playing. Uh, and I thought again, it's the second time in a row, both in Jacksonville, both against the Colts. Trevor Lawrence looked great. I mean, great. So I'm not I'm taking what you're taking. I'm I, you sold me on it. I did not. I I thought Herbert, ah, he'll play, but I'm with you, particularly on that sports book. You like Seattle Seahawks. Uh, money line against the Falcons. Yeah, that's right. Um, they give they got a coaching edge and a quarterback edge. Say what you will about Geno Smith. He's got the highest um, completion percentage over expectation through two games. He's the sixth highest graded quarterback according to pro football focus. Mariota obviously adds an awesome running dynamic, but he's only 23rd according to PFF thus far. Um, Kyle Pitts hasn't really done much, and it doesn't seem like Mariota can get him the ball. Um, so that's been a little disappointing. And a bunch of money is coming in on the Falcons, and um, and like 80% of the money, according to DraftKings, is coming in on the Falcons, and despite them being 0-2. I mean, from my, from my perspective, um, the Falcons are getting far too much love for not getting blown out. Like, but they didn't win, and there's no moral victories in the NFL. They're still 0-2. Uh, the Seahawks are 1-1, one and one, and I think Pete Carroll can sell to his locker room. Like, listen, if we win this game, we're tied atop the NFC West coming uh, entering week four. So I think he'll get a lot of his locker room. This is a spot where Pete Carroll in Seattle gets up for uh, these home games. Following a loss – in the Pete Carroll era, Seahawks are 29 and 10 at home with a plus seven ATS margin. Um, they're also 14 and one straight up in those spots versus teams with a losing record. So I think they're going to bounce back and they're going to get past Atlanta. And all you need to do is win. So that's where uh, that's where I'm taking my third best bet here in the NFL slate. Ugly. All right, I ugly. got a couple Texans plays. and Seahawks. I- Jaguars ugly. I know. Hey, that money sells. Hey, that money spends. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I went. I went. I went chalk with college football. <laughs> now I'm going to the the bottom of the standings for the NFL. I ain't mad at you. That's hey. Look, we're gonna watch the good games. Now we got interest in the bad ones. I'm giving you mine. I gave you uh, USC minus five and a half. You and I both agree with this. I saw this. Love it. I don't know if people are paying attention, but the next one that I got is Kansas State. Kansas State lost a freaking Tulane last week. Kansas State stinks. I know they beat Missouri. Missouri stinks. Oklahoma pounds people. Like, they pound people. Now, unless, unless Brent Venables can't get his guys reorganized, I'm taking Oklahoma and giving 12 and a half against Kansas State all day long. I love my first two bets. I'll get into the other ones. What say you, Oklahoma and Kansas State? Yeah, I have no issue with that. Brett Venables um, made a believer out of me. I was a little down on Oklahoma's defense. They uh, let up a touchdown, I think, in the first drive against Nebraska, and they just completely bullied that team. So, you know, obviously Oklahoma has no shortage of talent. I guess Brett Venables does have the guys to work with. And I don't see them having any issue covering or winning by margin here. Obviously, Dylan Gabriel is an awesome starting quarterback. And Oklahoma, I mean, they look like they're going to win the, the the Big 12 yet again. I mean, obviously, it's still early, but 
Um, I haven't watched as much Kansas State as you have, apparently. Um, but that Tulane loss is certainly bad. And um, I don't see, like, Oklahoma having a snooze game in, in Brett Venable's first season in his first four games or five games it would be. Or, no, excuse me, four games. So, yeah, I, I can see them just making quick work of Kansas State. Do they have, you always worry does about their offense have any – I was going to say, does their offense have any backdoor cover potential? Well, Kansas that's, State? that's not, not last week. Not last – they had yeah. nothing going last week. Offensively, they had zip against the Tulane team. Look, I'm not going to act like I watch a lot of Tulane, but I did turn on Kansas, uh, Kansas State. Uh, it just happened to be on playing Missouri – and I thought it was two really bad teams. It was like I was telling you off air last week watching the Indiana-Western uh, Kentucky game, and then on the Big Ten Network underneath it was Southern Illinois and Northwestern. I'm like, these are just bad teams. That's how I felt like. Uh, and I do think this, and I'm a big believer in this. Every college football coach that I talk to now says, hey, look, if you want to get it done, you got to win big. Style points matter. And I think Oklahoma is in the same spot as USC. They've got to win, and they've got to win each week very big. I believe that. And both of their new hire head coaches are looking to make a statement and be like, hey, these USC is now a powerhouse program, and in Brett Venable's case, Oklahoma is still a powerhouse national championship contending program. So – I, I yeah, I see Oklahoma um overwhelming teams that they have heavy mismatch against. And there's no like next week Oklahoma's playing TCU, who's might be a pretty good team this year, but it's not like a look ahead spot. They're not like, you know what I mean? They're not looking no. not looking further down the line. Like they're gonna probably handle business against Kansas State. And the only way Kansas State covers this number is fluky things that you can't really handicap, right? Penalties, turnovers, stuff like that, you know. So what else do you got? All on right, a lot card, of talk. I, I... In, a lot of talk in Indiana about Jonathan Taylor only getting right. nine rushing attempts. Uh, I like Jonathan Taylor over 84 and a half yards against the Chiefs. The Colts don't have wide receivers. I think Pittman is going to play their best wide receiver. Uh, Alec Pierce, the first, the uh, th- uh, second round draft choice. A concussion, I don't know. But even if they do play, that's not like Belitnikoff and Branch are coming back. They're going to give the ball <laughs> to Jonathan Taylor. They're going to give it to him not only running the ball, they're going to give it to him out of the backfield. My next two bets are Jonathan Taylor. Uh, over 84 and a half yards rushing and over 16 and a half yards receiving. I'm just telling you, Colts don't have wide receivers. They have every guy on their team right now, right now, until proven different, is a number two or number three on any other good team, including Michael Pittman. He just ain't fast. So you got to get the ball to Ooh. Hines. You got to get the ball to Taylor out of the backfield. It's interesting that you said that about Pittman. A lot of a lot of NFL sharps that I I, uh, I respect really like Pittman. But, I mean, heck, you know your stuff. You know your Indianapolis Colts better than the next guy. So I'll, I'll take your word for that as well. Um, so, obviously, the AFC South is pretty bad. So the Colts – wouldn't be eliminated with a loss, but you go down 0-3, you could pretty much, you could pretty much cancel out the wild card. You're not winning the wild card, right? You might win the AFC South because it's so bad, but as we both like Jacksonville, they, uh, I don't know, I don't know how bad the AFC South's going to be. So, anyways, what I'm getting at here is 
this is a back against the wall game for the Colts, right? They need to win this one. They need to show up. So what are they going to do? Probably what they do best, which is run Jonathan Taylor. And it just so happens Kansas City's run defense is terrible, right? So I, right. I like this number. I like this. I like I, I like this prop. It's one of those that it's like, uh, it's just obvious, but like, you know, keep it simple, stupid. Like, why not go with Taylor? Like, he's probably going to get 20 rushes unless – you know, the Chiefs just put it on them early and they have to they have to throw from behind. So hopefully, like for our bet's sake, because I'm going to follow you on this one, Indianapolis gets the ball first, right? They build some sort of lead and they can right. kind of play their own type of game because if that gets to a two-score game, they'll still run Jonathan Taylor, but obviously our prop isn't looking great. No, that's exactly right. I agree with you. And, I, and the Colts have done this. The Colts... Uh... Jeff have played to the level of competition. I mean, last year they've got they they beat the Ravens, uh, crushing them until they give up four straight touchdowns. They go into Buffalo and beat the living you know what out of Buffalo. They go into a monsoon in San Francisco and they beat the crap out of them. Christmas Day. They go into the Cardinals who are still playing well, beat the crap out of them. They played at a competition, but you're right. The one area that I'm nervous about a little bit is it gets to be 21 to zip, and now we're throwing. That ain't good. My last one, I don't know why. Don't ask me. I And I know the Bills are banged up pretty good. The Bills are really banged up. I like the Dolphins getting five in this game. I, I don't know. Tell me I'm crazy. I know the Bills are great. I just don't think you play at that level the entire year. Maybe they do, but I liked what happened last week with the Dolphins. I like that Tua has these two guys, Hill and Waddle, that are phenomenal. I love phenomenal wide receivers. I think football is all based on quarterback slash wide receiver. I'll take five points. I'll take uh, I'll take the Dolphins against a banged up Bills team. Yeah, buddy. Good luck. <laughs> that's pretty much all that I can say. Uh, they put the fear of God into me last week. I did the same thing with Nebraska, Oklahoma as Tennessee, Buffalo. I got too sharp for my own good. And they, they beat the crap of the Tennessee Titans. Me, <laughs> just like, just like everyone else. I had the bills power rank number one coming in this season. I had them to win the super bowl right after the draft. Like I'm as high on the bills as anyone else. And kind of going back to the whole USC Oregon State thing, in a couple of weeks the Dolph the Bills are probably going to be at least eight point favorites against everyone, right? Like if they keep putting out these kind of performances, you know, and they had completely different defensive schemes against the Rams and Titans, and they shut them both down, right? Like Sean McDermott is one of the best defensive coaches in the league. Their secondary is banged up. Ty, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are nasty. With that offense, the back door is wide open, so that speaks to your Miami plus the points bet. I I love Miami. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I, I, I'm i sky high on two. I always have been, so I'm with you there. But if I'm being real, Bill scared the crap out of me last week. They really did. <laughs> they, they hammered the Titans. So I, I'm, I'm just – I'm not going to overthink it. You know, you know I'm just – I'm not going to bet against them. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. But good luck. I'm I'll be, I'll be home, rooting for the Dolphins. I'm taking the home dog, big boy. The home dog. I mean, that's how you make money in All the right, NFL. All right, my man. Take we it. will re- 
Yeah, taking taking AFC home dogs how you make money in the NFL. I don't hate it at all. If I was going to play either side, actually, I'm not even going to say that. I'm passing. I'm passing. <laughs> I should. Uh, that's the best advice I've gotten this week. But I can't <laughs> because I'm all in on Tua. I'm all in on wide receivers. Jeff, You're thanks, playing with my house friend. Money, we'll talk baby. next week. Let's. That's right. You're playing with house money, hey, I already baby. hit Let's a go. freaking. I already hit a parlay and two winners last night. I'm 3-0 on the weekend. Georgia, or excuse me, Coastal Carolina shall set us free. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, thanks, my guy. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Dan. Talk to you next week, buddy. All right. What a great week we've had. Another great week. That's always fun. Hey, we got a woke adult before we get out of here. We got anybody that's uh, acting a little crazy here in the world of wokeness? Man, oh, man, what a great week. Had a little slippage about an hour ago on the show. Hey, don't let that happen again. Numbers dropped a little bit. Don't let that happen. It's your responsibility out there to keep this show afloat. So don't be dropping anything, you listeners. Make sure you're retweeting all the time. Don't let that, don't let that garbage that garbage happen. Uh, to recap, I've got USC minus five and a half. So does Jeff. That means it's an automatic winner. Five and a half. USC takes a dump and they score seven. That's at Oregon State. Oregon State's had some nice wins. I'm not mad at Oregon State. I've got Oklahoma minus 12 and a half. All right, here we go. To require teaching climate change by law. That's fine. I got a headache. I'd rather talk about betting. Seriously, I got a headache. I got people telling me what a great job Biden is doing with climate change. Stop it. All right, Oklahoma minus 12 and a half. Do yourself a favor. Go to DraftKings right now and put it in. I am. I'm going to DraftKings right now. I am. And I am going to put it in. Yeah, I'm going to. And then Jonathan Taylor over 84 and a half yards. He's going to get to 100. Jonathan Taylor, 16 and a half. I may not bet that one. I got to think about that one. Dolphins plus five. Hmm. Uh, I love Clemson minus seven against Wake. I love the USC bet that Jeff had. Uh, Bears, Texans, I'm not touching that one. Uh, Texans, I don't know. I think that team gets worse and worse and worse. Jaguars plus seven against the Chargers, I'll take that one, particularly if the news comes out that Herbert is still banged up, which he is, and the Seahawks, I'm taking that like it's my job. Seriously, I am taking the Seahawks minus uh, 110 on the money line against Atlanta. I'll take it today, tomorrow, the next day. And oh, by the way, talking about Kyle Pitts, I watched Kyle Pitts in college and at Florida. I'm like, this is the next generation, right? This is the next wide receiver slash tight end that people are going to be nuts about. I thought I got a steal on my fantasy team. Child, please. He's been nothing. He has not been very good. But, but, He'll play well this week because I moved him back. I took him off of my lineup, and I put him back in. When you get benched by Dockage in outkick fantasy football, you got to fight back. You either quit, sulk, or fight back. And one of the things that I did on my fantasy team is I picked guys that wouldn't sulk. Sulking stinks. I don't like it. I won't have it. Not on my fantasy team. Not by my kids. Not by my players, not by my producers, not by me. No sulking. No sulk for you. 
None. None, 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 none. I hope you have a great weekend. We've had a great week here. I got a monster weekend. The doctor gave all this. He said kidney function, perfect. Prostate, perfect. Liver, perfect. Blood pressure, perfect. Yeah. He said, hey, you need to lose about 10, 15 pounds. I said, all right, that's not perfect. But I ain't mad about it. Not mad even a little bit about it. Perfect. And I got to tell you something else. You guys and gals that watch this show, you're awesome. You are. And I thank you. We got a great YouTube chat popping. We do. I took the Colts to win 48 to nothing. I've had enough. I'm going to be like a little fanboy here. I'm going to be like every other little fanboy here in the great city of Indianapolis. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Go see your doctor. Get your prostate checked. Don't be a clown. See you Monday right here. Outkick, 9 to 11. Ryan, Dylan, great job. Thank you.